Welcome to SBE Podcast, the place where we share interesting ideas of interesting people here at our SBE faculty. Today with a very special guest, Jan, uh, Jan Schreler, if I pronounce that correctly. Very well. Uh, Dutch name. Um, Jan, you did your bachelor and master here uh, in international business. Um, from, our, from your website, you said you founded your first company with 13 years of age. Um, you organized 50 plus TED events around the globe, coached speakers, uh, among them the most successful TED talks um, ever, I think. Um, and now you have your own company, Talk Like TED, that is aimed at Yeah, promoting public speaking and communication with governments and uh, corporations. Usually we start with the journey of how you got there, but I think we should start with the why for you. <laughs> so what's your why? Now, if I look back to all the things that I've done and that I'm currently doing, these are um, grown-out-of-hand hobbies. So I started making my first websites when I was 13, And I grew it into a, a communication agency. After that, I started organizing parties wow. when I was 15 uh, for school. And um, yeah, during my studies, I uh, got in touch with TED, organized TED events. And from that hobby, I mean, it was basically volunteer work. Um, I started an event agency and uh, the Mavens and uh, talk like TED, the speaker coaching agency. Yeah. And um, yeah, during TED 2005, I came in touch with blockchain technology. So everything that has to do with cryptos, NFTs, metaverse, DAOs, etc. And um, yeah, that's how I started uh, two new ventures. Um, so yeah, they're all grown out of hand uh, hobbies. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we'll maybe talk also about uh, blockchain uh, later because that's also one thing uh, you do quite a lot. Um, but before, um, maybe, how did you first get into TED? So you, you touched upon it a bit. Um, what's the first TED Talk you saw? Do you remember that? Now, it's interesting, as you mentioned, I studied uh, at the School of Business Economics with a lot of pleasure. And uh, during that time, I was living in a um, uh, little room close to the Belgian border. And one of my roommates, he uh, started tweeting about this TED phenomena. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So um, I looked it up and uh, he, um, yeah, got the idea, like, shall we start organizing the first uh, TED-like event in the south of the Netherlands? Wow. We called it uh, TEDx Eutropolis. Eutropolis is a concept where uh, from a, a Maastricht architect com uh, combining uh, this area with also the, the German area and the Belgium area and laying a metro line, metro map over the area. Yeah. It's a beautiful concept, uh, maybe interesting for the show notes. But um, yeah, that's how I got in touch with Ted, with this single tweet, and then uh, yeah, started organizing the first event, and after that, uh, 49 more uh, wow. followed. What was the, is there the craziest event or some special moment you can share with us? <laughs> Now, let me, let me share with you the, the craziest event is definitely the uh, TEDx. Uh, we did twice. I did twice. It happened many times in uh, Baghdad, Iraq. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you can I, probably I imagine. heard that story, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you can probably imagine that, like, in a war zone, um, it's quite special to yeah. be around, to organize things. You know, there are so many things that... Well, I mean, I'm coming from the Netherlands, where everything... I mean, we're living in the most beautiful country in the world. And if you then go to a war zone, it's so different, you know, like the, the constant pressure and all the things that are not working out as they should be. 
So, um, yeah, that was definitely the, the craziest experience. Um, coming back to what is my favorite TED Talk, um, I think I'll give you a more general answer. And usually uh, what I really appreciate from the TED Talks, that we, when I, when I compiled the program, when I looked for uh, speakers, it was not that I just looked for cool people, cool speakers. No, I was looking for ideas. <clears throat> like what are these, you know, provoking, these groundbreaking ideas? And people that are not very famous yet, but with our uh, yeah, global platform that we uh, offer to local talents, we can actually give people a uh, maybe a little jumping board. Yeah. And I've seen over the past years uh, so many cool speakers, local speakers from local events, Maastricht, uh, Eindhoven, Amsterdam, who um, came to the stage. Were not well, nobody knew them before, and after that, now some of them are like globally very well known yeah yeah is there any pattern maybe in ideas that you recognize because for me i think we all have ideas yeah and then how do um everyday thoughts maybe come into great ideas that are worth sharing yeah right i think that the main thing is that the people that spoke at our events they didn't just have ideas they also put these ideas into action yeah. so they were already able to present results from their actions so for example uh, wim hof iceman yeah. he were he was able to present the results like why is he able to get so much cold you know like why he can uh, climb the mont blanc in his briefs or run you know like that kind of stuff yeah. Um, the same with uh, Bart Knols, also a fav one of my favorite TED speakers, spoke at my TEDx Maastricht event about how he um, was going to uh, yeah, prevent malaria by eating local Limburgian cheese. It's called Romadou. <laughs> and he had a lot of research behind that. So it was a lot of people, they laughed first. And yeah. after that, they felt like, that's genius. So, um, yeah, it really comes back to people that just don't not only only have ideas, but also execute them and we're able to present the results. Yeah. And then if we look at how we come from idea to TED Talk, right, because you are, after all, a, a coach for uh, public speaking. Um, before we maybe get into what your company precisely does, um, is there any trait you think you need to be a great speaker or is that something everyone can learn i definitely believe that everybody every single human you me everybody here at the university at maastricht has a beautiful story to tell and with the right preparation with the right ingredients is able to do so at the big stage yeah so coming back on like you know what defines a great speaker um in my perspective it all comes back to prepare in a variety of ways And it's not just practicing, you know, your text, but also prepare uh, what is the audience that you're going to address? You know, what is the goal with your presentation? What are the important remarks that you're going to make? But also all the items that you're going to kill, you know, all the darlings that you're going to kill right. from uh, your story. I mean, it's preparing, preparing, preparing. With TED speakers, we usually invited them uh, like nine to six months before the event. Wow. Okay, yeah. So people can take the time to prepare their presentation. I mean, some people nowadays, and that's not just students, yeah. that's also in corporates, in governments, they uh, check their agenda in the evening and they think like, oh, shit, I have to present tomorrow. 
they just compiled, you know, a deck with a few slides that they still have, and then they're going to present this, you know, without any goal or uh, red line or thought behind it. And that's where most of the presentations just go awfully wrong. So um, other than preparation, are there maybe a few things you would could share with us that make a great public speaker? What, what makes a great TED Talk? Now, there's a few basic things that are, in my perspective, very important. Uh, first of all is that if we look back to the research by Princeton University about the success of TED Talks, what we see is the, the main thing is that the speakers were storytellers. So they were telling a story instead of bombarding people with facts and figures yeah. and, and whatever, you know, like they were telling people a story. You know, just like Martin Luther King, Steve Jobs, they were telling a nice story, a nice anecdote or whatever. And, of course, within the story, they, you know, they included some important um, research findings or ideas or whatever. But the main thing of their presentation, of their TED Talk, was a story. Now, the second thing, what a lot of people forget, is the nonverbal communication. So a lot of people, they only focus on the story itself and the slide deck. While in my perspective, uh, three quarters of the success of a TED talk comes also from uh, using your body strategically. And this, I mean, this is not just walking and using your hands, but also things like mimic, mimics, you know, like use them extensively. Uh, but also very important, five types, how you can use your voice, for example. You know, intonation, articulation, breaks, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Most people, they don't use them. Most people, they don't practice them. Well, in my perspective, they are hugely complementing to a success of a presentation. Yeah. And then there's also the one of my favorite TED Talks uh, by Simon Sinek, yeah. uh, of course, The Golden Circle. Uh, he spoke here in Maastricht, actually. I saw, my, yeah. Maastricht events. Yeah. You, you coached him as well? or I didn't coach him, but I had a great time with him. So, uh, I mean, he's a very uh, nice guy. We uh, had drinks together nice. <laughs> the night <laughs> before. He gave me his coin of inspiration. And um, he's a pleasant guy. He's a pleasant speaker. Some speakers, if they get a little famous, yeah. they're going to demand a lot of things. And uh, I remember we were with uh, TEDx Maastricht oversold. People were sitting here in the theater in, uh, at the stairs. And Simon, he was not an ass, like, yeah, I need to sit here, I'm a speaker. He was just sitting next to me on the stairs. You know, he's yeah. very, very nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, stay humble, I think. Uh, keep the connection. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, maybe um, we can go more towards talk like TED. Um, how can um, how can we imagine this company? You you, you are passionate about uh, TED. Um, you said you started organizing one. How did you make it a company? Basically, from past TED speakers that called me and asked me like, "Hey, Jan, we really enjoyed the speaker coaching. Uh, can you do the same for uh, my team, for my company, for?" me you know again yeah. so um, it started also here as a hobby uh, people inviting me back and after that i saw the huge needs within um, every organization a lot of individuals really working on their story working on the delivery of the story these two ma um, major parts so that's uh, why i set up uh, talk like that and um, yeah i run around 50 to 60 uh, clients on a yearly base 
uh, ranging from um, yeah, top-level CEOs, state of secretary, top DJs, wow. to uh, students, entrepreneurs, book writers, um, everything. Uh, I mean, basically everybody, again, in my perspective, have, has a story to tell. Yeah. And if it's uh, maybe you have to speak at an important event, maybe you have to speak at a funeral, whatever, you know, but people always want to tell stories in a very uh, nice way. And then, uh, yeah, for most people, the TED Talks are still a great, yeah, structure, or great, you know, like yeah. great ideas how you can actually tell this story in a very uh, appealing way. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Is there maybe, um, I'm just thinking, a way you can discover the story you, you want to tell? Because I think, um, I also think everyone has a story to tell, but if you ask people, um, what's your story? They'll be like, hmm, uh, is there something you can say, like, um, advise us to, to find our ideas and, and form that stories, maybe? When I usually um, start with, a, like, a creative uh, kickoff, I really look for, um, uh, most important, uh, I look for the, 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 yeah, the, the important factors that are influencing the, the story, like the audience, uh, the goal of the presentation, that kind of stuff. Usually when I start looking for the story of a person, so when we start discussing this, um, most people have this already quite sharp. They know, like, you know, I have this book or I have this um, product or service or I have this personal story that I want to share. Or Most people, in my perspective, they have their story ready. They have experience with um, working, for example, on projects. They already uh, have written blogs about the topic, um, have been active in it, uh, in the industry for years. So usually people have already the, the topic quite uh, clear. Okay. And then they come to you. Um, what are maybe some of the most interesting people you work with or organizations, if you can disclose that information? Oh, for sure. I'm, and they're also on my website. I mean, it's, yeah. it's everything ranging from... Uh, Shell, Google, Deloitte, uh, to, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's over 100 really cool organizations where I'm proud of. And, you know, it's it's not just the big names. Yeah. I mean, for me, the most, uh, the coolest thing in coaching people is making people really better, is to see yeah. them making better. So, for example, um, when you get back from clients that, you know, they're so sincerely happy yeah with, you know, finally having a clear story to tell, with finally uh, daring to take the stage, you know? Like, I worked, for example, with an executive of a multinational that was quite afraid, you know, of uh, taking the stage, you know? Like, people dealing with hundreds of millions, billions of dollars. But, you know, presenting, um, I mean, is still for 75% of the people um, scary, you know? We have yeah. these glossobia hormones in our body. So, you know, like a lot of people are still scared. Yeah. Uh, Gandhi, you know, uh, always had to puke before entering the stage. Everybody has, is, has a quite like a sense of fear uh, for public speaking. So when I then, you know, see that people are vulnerable, you know, are open for feedback, are open for change, are open to really, you know, um, work on their, um, uh, on their performance, yeah, that's for me great, you know, to see people grow. And this can be a student, this can be a CEO. You know, yeah. I don't mind. But really seeing people grow, I think I, I wrote a book actually, uh, recently published it. And my introduction story is actually about a, a student, a student that had severe problems with 
public speaking. I think uh, we spent like hours and hours and hours to work on this. And in the end, you know, like he was giving the talk and there were like 300 people in the audience and you could, I was sitting there and I could feel their emotion and everybody was like, you know, everybody was like almost crying, so yeah. happy that the speaker like, boom, in one shot gave his TED talk to students. You know, I mean, that gave me, in the Dutch, they would say like, you know, um, uh, chicken skin. Like, yeah. You felt it. Everyone was like, yeah, crying and, and screaming and that kind of stuff. You know, that was so cool to see. Somebody that put so much effort in it and finally gave this result. So, um, yeah, it's not the type of, it's like, you know, if it's a student, if it's a CEO, I don't mind. If it's it's about the, the progress and the vulnerability in the process. Yeah. Maybe what are some of the more challenging parts of your job um, or what's something, um, yeah, w because we've heard like the, the cool stuff, what, what's not so great? Now, <clears throat> as a professional, I try to give people advice yeah. how to improve things, how to you know, do things in a different way. And most of the materials that I share are really research-based. So it's really based on research by respective in, uh, yeah, universities. But still, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have dialogues with clients that uh, in the end just do the other thing. So I give you an idea uh, or an example. Um, when I work with clients, we look at the story and only at the end we look if we, for example, need slides yeah. to enforce the message, to visualize important things, you know, only at the end. And then... Well, I, I tell people about the importance of a clean deck. So, you know, one image, a slide, like we did with tech, because otherwise people are distracted. They don't listen to your story anymore. And still, even if I give a lot of research backing, people are, like, filling the slide up with, like, text and corporate branding yeah. logos and images that are not interested in that kind of stuff. And then I'm like, you know, mm, I, you know I try to convince you. I try to tell you why you should not do it. And then people still do it. So that's the only thing. You know, I really sincerely try to help people. And then sometimes it's tough, of course, if people just yeah, don't listen or listen and just do the totally different thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think you also travel quite a bit then um, yeah. around the world. Um, but then what makes you stay in Maastricht, maybe? Are you, are you a Maastricht local? Or did I'm you not. You moved here. <laughs> yeah. No, I was uh, born in, uh, in uh, The Hague. Uh, oh, yeah. And after uh, a few years in the northern part of the Netherlands called uh, Drenthe, I uh, moved to Maastricht. Um, I, uh, actually, all my friends from school, they went to uh, Groningen University, but I was there at the study fair. And when I walked out of the study fair, somewhere at the corner, there were these guys from Maastricht <laughs> University. I had a very nice chat with them while I was actually going out. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, let's give it a shot. So I came to Maastricht was received on an open day with some nice fly i still can remember nice. and um after that i decided that i really um yeah liked the uh, the international business study um maastricht a study a city so um yeah that's that's how i came here uh, studying i had a incredible time uh, seven years i think <laughs> i did all the, the the you know the student things like the, the faculty board and committees and uh, my fraternity and that kind of stuff so um I had a great time here. Meanwhile, I was uh, building my companies. 
I was already working on organizing the TED events and working in communications. Um, so, um, yeah, at the end of the studies, I was already networking here with locals and um, yeah, I got some projects for the companies. And then I decided to stay here and yeah, never moved out. And of course, in the past years, um, especially after Corona, when everything went back, well, let's say to normal, you know, with all the traveling, uh, I considered a few times like, you know, do I want to stay in Maastricht? Yeah. Because, um, yeah, like uh, Tuesday, I went up and down to uh, to Rotterdam. You know, these are uh, five or six hour trips by train <laughs> for one meeting. Uh, so then, you know, I'm like, okay, Maastricht, it's quite a distance. But for me, I'm always working in the train. So that's, it's another problem. And for me, the quality of life is so incredibly good in Maastricht that uh, that's really keeping me here all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Making me here to stay. I mean... The, the space, the people, the yeah, the, the you know the way how people enjoy life. Um, I walk literally everything. Only use my bike once a week for <laughs> for groceries. I mean, uh, that, that's for me quality of life. Yeah. When I go to the bigger cities like um, Amsterdam, Utrecht, uh, I have an office there. I love it. Meet people, do my projects, but you know the energy is good. But I always go back. Yeah, don't want to live there. Yeah, I think that's uh, some. Uh, something that resonates with a lot of people also uh, yeah very international university um with the pbl system public speaking i think we already have a disadvantage of uh, sorry an advantage to other universities um i just came back from a um sbe trip to dublin a dublin tech trip where we also had to present quite a bit and pitch um and i think master's students are yeah you can see that they have to do a lot of presenting in university. For sure. So, I think it was also born here, right? The PBL system. Yeah, I think so. It was born at the actually at the SB at the faculty, uh, and if you look around, I mean, uh, yeah, the initiators are at the SBE, but now I think uh, most universities in the Netherlands are, and also a lot of them in Europe are using the system. So I think uh, Maastricht can be very proud about that. Yeah, maybe we can talk a bit about how. Um, how you actually manage to make your hobbies and your passion your job. Yeah. Um, we had um, an earlier episode also about um, how to find your passion, maybe how, um, how to define a passion. Um, but for me, it's something, um, or I think a lot of people still struggle with what do I want to do after university and to have this knowledge that you can make your passion your job. Yeah that would be something interesting to hear from you. I think there it's, it's important to, um, uh, to easily check it, you know, like to check uh, the work, the, the hobbies that you have. Um, are it also uh, services that are offered by professional companies? I mean, if you love to make nice movies, well, I mean, for sure. I mean, there are so many video editors. There's so many, uh, you know, like uh, companies that are offering these services. I mean, and that's with a lot of, Hobbies, right? I mean, a lot of hobbies that students do, uh, students have, you know, like you can definitely make a living out of it. But here comes the, um, yeah, here comes the glitch. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can make a living out of it, but then you need to find clients. You need to f set up a company, you know, do all the registration, the administration, um, the legal stuff, you know, like to be like a legal entity in the Netherlands. Yeah. And a lot of people, they, uh, yeah, they just don't know 
uh, you know, all the basics how to, uh, how to uh, do this. Um, so that's usually a lot of people is scaring it off, uh, you know, when they see all the things, the basic things that they need to take into account to uh, start a uh, company to actually make uh, work from their passion. But um, on the other hand, I mean, in my perspective, not everybody has to be an entrepreneur, right? I mean, that's less than 1% of the people in the end to become an entrepreneur. And I think most people are actually better off when they use their, uh, when they, yeah, uh, use their hobby, their enthusiasm, their interest, their backgrounds in a uh, professional uh, job, in a professional organization, instead of offering it as a, uh, yeah, uh, in their own company. Yeah. Um Can you have, do you have some insight about what makes a great entrepreneur then maybe, um, other than the passion, of course? Now, <clears throat> entrepreneurs are, in my perspective, not born, they're made. So, okay. uh, I mean, there's, in my perspective, it starts with being a creative, you know, like always having new ideas, new ways to approach a problem, new uh, ideas for products or services, you know, like constantly have this creative minds uh goggling you know like if, that's why for example five years ago i quit alcohol because i saw you know like uh, well i was drinking beers and wines and that kind of stuff and it really eliminated like the creativity in my mind so when i stopped drinking alcohol i became so creative you know usually when i um go offline for a week uh, and really switch off my phone like fully offline i have like 50 new ideas Wow. you know to for uh, new companies a book or whatever so um yeah i mean you need to you know constantly you need to in innovate to change to become bigger or to you know expand and that kind of stuff so first of all uh really being the yeah the creative mind um and then the second thing is and i think that's where most people uh why most people don't become an entrepreneur is also uh, don't be afraid to fail you know be afraid not to try Uh, for me, it's really about, I mean, I started so many companies that in the end, you know, didn't turn out as they, we, like really, I, I had already five big companies I worked on wow. with business partners, uh, worked on for a year, for one and a half years, uh, spent some money. In the end, we closed the company, you know, didn't rent as we thought. Well, great. Well, I learned a lot, uh, take all these learnings into the next company. But, you know, that's the thing. Um, I mean, you never take, the, the first shot that you take is never successful. Yeah. And don't know, if I look back to my friends from uh, Master University who became entrepreneurs, all of them are now in their second or third company. You know, they closed the first and the two, uh, the, the second. So, I mean, it's also, you know, the ability to constantly, you know, like to actually be able to, um, yeah, if you feel to get up, you know, start again. Yeah. So that's the quote of, I think, was uh, Mandela, right? So um, fall down nine times, get up ten times. Nice. Or uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. Uh, something I tell myself when applying to uh, different positions or starting. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you're also, what, what inspires me about you is not only the public speaking, but also how, how much different things you do. You, mm -hmm. you mentioned all the companies. Um, you're also in the, in the blockchain crypto um, yeah. scene, very active thing. You spoke at the symposium in, at SBE recently. Yeah. What are you doing in crypto? 
<laughs> now, um, the important thing is to first define um, the, the technology. In my perspective, it's web free. And web free yeah. is a, yeah, a collection of technologies, right? It's, it's everything that has to do with decentralized uh, applications in the internet. So uh, cryptos, blockchain, uh, we have NFTs, little metaverse, also DAOs, you know, all these different parts. Um, it started for me with uh, just becoming more interested in Bitcoin in 2015 when the price was still, I think, $150. Um, I studied finance that time. Uh, I am a nerd from the inside, so that's why I thought Bitcoin was very interesting. Um, got to learn more about the technology, and in the end, I became uh, CEO of a uh, scale-up now, uh, Bitcana. Uh, raised $18 million of funding and built a uh, global platform um, for the uh, cannabis industry, actually. And, uh, yeah, I just left this company. I mean, it's now ready. It's global. It's launched. Wow. So uh, on to the next adventure. And, um, yeah, besides that, I um, uh, write a lot. I write books. I write uh, tens of blogs every year. And... With the blogs I wrote about Web3, and I'm still writing uh, about all everything, t you know, about the technologies, I get so many views. In the end, my uh, I write, for example, for an important uh, marketing uh, blog, uh, gained already over a million views of my blogs about Web3. And then, um, yeah, grown out of hand hobby again, I got invited by um, leading Dutch companies uh, to tell them, like, what can they do with crypto? You know, pension funds, they asked yeah. me, like, what can we do with cryptos? What are the possibilities? Or um, more the famous names in the Netherlands, brands like uh, PostNL and Marktplaats, etc. They... Uh, the Dutch Royal Soccer Association, KVB, they asked me, like, you know, what can we do with, uh, with NFTs or, you know, in Metaverse or other parts of Web3? Um, so that's why I founded the, yeah, the second agency, uh, which is more focused on the advisory and the inspirational side of uh, Web3. And, um, yeah, besides the two agencies, I'm also running uh, the, the Dutch ecosystem. It's called Blockchain Netherlands. And uh, here uh, it's uh, the oldest, largest ecosystem of the Netherlands for Web3. So we have like 100 active members, which are startups in the scene and thousands of professionals joining us for things like events. And that's the main thing. We organize um, a lot of events. All the big events are organized by us. And wow. um, we work on things like... Um, yeah, expanding the ecosystem, uh, developing, growing the ecosystem. Uh, uh, we're in, in touch with press. We're in touch with uh, other European ecosystems. We're doing trade missions, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm doing in the Web3 uh, space. Would you say your time uh, between Web3 and, and TED, where does the majority of your time go to? It really differs. Um, some weeks I'm filled with sessions for uh, talk like TED. The other week, I have a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of events. For example, in June, I have a full week of events for uh, Web3. I have my event company, you know, where I'm still producing events. And, uh, yeah, some weeks are just filled with only events. So it really, really differs. And sometimes it's a combination. So usually, honestly, yeah, this sounds maybe silly, but um, it's not, I'm not, like, uh, compiling my agenda. It's the clients that literally call me like, hey, like today I had two calls with clients. And then it's not like, hey, uh, you know, what date are you available? It's literally like we have a, an event this day. Are you available? 
so usually clients they uh, yeah they compile my agenda okay maybe to um, circle back to public speaking um, how how can crypto um, do you see a, a future of web3 with uh, with Ted with public speaking how can this um, change the way we consume uh, yeah knowledge maybe is there some vision you have in that oh for sure if you look to web3 Uh, when we discuss this with um, politicians, with press, uh, whatever, you know, people are interested in the ecosystem, people of general interest. What you see is a lot of people, they are uh, knowledgeable about things like cryptos. But most people, they don't know. They don't know why, what is the, you know, why should I use it? Uh, what is the technology about? Blah, 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 blah. You know, so... Most people, they just don't know. It's the same with, with your phone. You just want 5G to work, but you don't care about the the routers, the cables, and that kind of stuff, the technology. And that's, you know, so most people, they just don't care. Now, when you look at how can Ted influence this, and I think already has done, is that you make the stories visible. So you make the stories of impact of the technology, you make them visible in a TED-worthy way. And this already happened. There are several TED speakers that spoke about the global impact of Web3. Uh, for me, this is also the most interesting thing why I'm involved in the Web3 ecosystem, really focusing on global impact. I mean, I worked for an African country with the Minister of Finance. Uh, I worked for um, uh, co uh, yeah, uh, Costa Rica, uh, you know, on their uh, tourism, uh, traceability, that kind of stuff. You know, like these kind of, these, these, these cases, that's for me interesting, you know, like really where the technology has impact. This is when I tell these stories. These stories, they make it for people easier to grasp the importance of the technology, the, the practical use of the technology. So yeah, coming back to your question, in my perspective, the TED way of presenting these kind of technologies that for most people are not easy to understand, I think is, is key in uh, growing and developing the, the ecosystem, the web free ecosystem. Maybe we can talk about the more, go from present to future. And the first question would be, what future do you see for TED? being so successful in uh, sharing ideas, um, kind of democratizing knowledge as well. How does the future look like for TED? What's your vision maybe? Now, if you look to the organization itself, TED, uh, it went through a, um, a little, um, yeah, a tough time, of course. I mean, the business model of TED is the, are the two big events the organization is organizing in Vancouver and uh, another global place, uh, Brazil, Africa, Edinburgh nowadays. And they generate most of the income uh, for the organization from these events, big uh, sponsorships, etc. We're speaking about like $60 million a year. Now, with Corona, of course, this was tough. Um, the same with TEDx events. Uh, you saw most of the events being canceled because um, yeah, teams quit, uh, partners quit. You know, so um, we see um, yeah, the amount of events, the amount of TED Talks, of course, uh, that kind of stuff really uh, diminished. But I think most important thing, and what I still hear back from clients literally daily, 
is the concept is still very clear, is very strong. So that's what we still see back. You know, for most people, TED Talks are a standard in yeah. storytelling, a standard in presenting. So that's, for me, the most important thing. Um, and then if we look back to the concept, I mean, I never change a winning team, right? I mean, the concept is still clear. The concept is still there. There's this big event happening uh, with really cool ideas. There's always new um yeah, branches within the TED organization that are being started. Like, for example, they started a new part that is more focused on uh, climate change and how, they, how, how every uh, yeah every individual can act on that. Also, TED Talks there, events, that kind of stuff. So there will always be new ideas. But basically, I mean, the organization hasn't been hasn't changed uh, since then because uh, yeah, the idea, the concept is still strong. You know global stage for local talents and what about your future do you have something planned something uh, that inspires you to for, that you want to pursue in the next years or? what I hear back from friends of mine in uh, for example Silicon Valley when they discuss investment proposals with um, investors for example um, they literally are not taking them serious anymore if investment proposals are reaching uh, like a longer time span than uh, two, three years. I mean, we're living, look around in a, what they usually say, a VUCA world, right? Uh, volatile, uncertain, chaotic, ambiguous. It's, it, it's so, so many things are changing. So many things are unclear. You know, there are so many, as they say, uh, Nicholas uh, Taleb beautifully mentioned it, like so many black swans flying around, right? Uh, we see Ukraine, but we have uh, Taiwan, we have uh, the U.S., we have so many things that are happening now on a global scale that can, well, literally change from one day to another day and cause a global impact, not just uh, economically, but also social, uh, socioeconomically. You know, I mean, it's so. I honestly, I never make plans for like five or ten years i make i have very uh, extensive plans for all my companies uh, private wise etc i really have like free papers written down of plans that i look for, uh, at every morning with breakfast um, but um, i change them every quarter because yeah i mean things are changing so fast and yeah. um, a friend of mine um, he did research for eight years um, about serendipity and I also believe in this, you know, like it's most of the things, the the, the, the coolest things, the biggest projects, they are, um, they you, you are very lucky that they yeah. are being thrown at you. But it's about, you know, taking next steps, you know, seeing, you know, the combinations and that kind of stuff. It's all about serendipity. And these are not things that you can predict in the upcoming months or years. These are things that are um, happening at the moment that you don't expect. But if they, if they, you know, like if they uh, are there that you uh, yeah, take charge, you know, like take the leads, um, action them, uh, work on them, connect with people, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't have a three or five year plan. Um, I, of course, the most important thing, I want to stay healthy. You know, that's why I don't drink alcohol, work out every morning, um, no sugars, that kind of stuff. I think that's the most important thing. Have fun because life is going so extremely fast. So yeah. Travel a lot. Um, yeah. And, and really have fun. Very important. Nice. Um, yeah. From that, I would go to um, 
some yeah advice to either your younger self or if we think about students um, who might be graduating soon um, what is your advice um, maybe your three most important life takeaways tips you want to share with students actually there's a beautiful book one of my uh, favorite book writers uh, timothy ferris and he wrote two books uh, he wrote many books but two of them uh, tools of titans tribe of mentors he is uh, he asked hundreds of uh, billionaires of ceos of top performers uh, olympic medal uh, gold medal winners etc this exact same question like if you would be 30 again what would you tell your like 30 self or whatever you know and what do you think is the one thing that most like okay what's the one thing most important thing that people uh, would tell themselves oh that's a good question um I will tell you, travel more. Um, when I see, uh, I travel a lot, uh, sometimes like 30 times a year. But for me, it's it's giving me so much pleasure. It's it's you know like it's it's connecting me with new cultures, giving me new ideas, that kind of stuff. And what I see back now from uh, I'm 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 single. Um, I'm gay. I'm single, so I don't have children. I don't have a partner right now. And When I look at my friends who are uh, engaged, who uh, have children, that kind of stuff, uh, when I have a conversation with them right now, I'm I'm 35 right now, and the one thing that I re what they really miss is uh, traveling. You know, put on your backpack and go to Asia, to go to South America for a month, you know, or whatever, or three months, uh, while it's still possible. I mean, if you uh, graduate from university, well, you get to work, and I will tell you, most companies they don't give you a very long holiday. You know, uh, maybe you get engaged, your partner doesn't want to travel, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, while you still can't go travel, you know, like go see the world. So that's that's the number one. The second thing what I see um, a lot of people doing not very well is that a lot of people, they already have so many obligations. You know, they, they take so many obligations like big loans or mortgages, that kind of stuff that limits themselves in taking next steps. So what I see is a lot of people, they get like so many huge mortgages that, um, for example, that is uh, limiting them in, uh, yeah, for example, starting up a own company because they have to get, you know, they have to pay the mortgage every month and that kind of stuff. So I also see people that, you know, started more budget-wise, limited, you know, and that gave them so much freedom, so much, you know, They were so relaxed because they didn't have all these huge financial obligations directly already after their studies. And it gave them so much more space, so much more freedom to actually uh, work on their ideas, you know, yeah. try to make them uh, professional and get an earning out of it. So, um, yeah, I think these are the, the, the two more, um, yeah, the, uh, two, uh, two important things. And the last thing, and this sounds maybe cheesy, but have fun. Yeah. Um, I died almost six years ago because of a heart um, uh, infection. I had a lot of friends uh, and, and family members and whatever who also died very unexpected and very young. I mean, this can literally happen like from day one to day two, right? So, um, yeah, if there's one lesson, like the third lesson that you asked for, um, it's, it's have fun, you know? I see a lot of people there are constantly procrastination. They're always saying like, oh, yeah, I was next year or this year or next year or whatever you know they always yeah. shift it forward and uh, in my perspective you know have fun now you know 
make it count every year again, every month again, you know, because as, as I mentioned, time is going so fast. And yeah. before you know, you are like already stuck in a job or a relationship or whatever. Yeah. That reminds me of your LinkedIn um, um, catch line, which is life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Um, which really resonated with me and I think uh, hopefully also to our viewers at home. Um, well, thank you, Jan. Uh, I think this was one of my favorite episodes so far. Pleasure um, to hear. I think we got a lot of insights uh, from a very interesting person. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for the kind invitation and wishing you uh, good luck with the podcast. Perfect. Then uh, that was it for this episode. See you in the next one. <laughs>